Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today, I am super excited to introduce my special guest and friend, Karen Millen. Karen is a healing and transformational coach, the host of the Healing Podcast, and the author of An Amazing Divorce. She uses her 22-plus years of strategic planning, consulting experience in the business world with her close to 15 years of healing experience to coach those who want to identify and eliminate emotional roadblocks that are preventing them from living the life they want. Wow, Karen, welcome. I'm so excited that you're here for this episode and you can share your brilliance and wisdom with our listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Sue. I am so honored. Well, let's dive in because, first of all, I think your book certainly speaks volumes with the title. And let's talk a little bit about your own healing from your own divorce. You and I have spoken in the past about divorce since we've both been there. But uh, talk about the therapy and the EMDR, uh, the form of therapy that you worked with that helped you to heal from your divorce and look at life in a different way. Thank you, Sue. Yes. So. Um... About four years before my actual separation, I, especially for my parenting, but I was very unhappily married, just unhappy, not seen, not heard, not living the life I wanted to live. I felt like I was living a world where 99% of my life was compromised and compromises or spending my Saturday and Sunday and my vacations or my discretionary time, money and things that I didn't want to do. And whenever I voiced that or complained, it was always like, well, they're good problems to have. You know, uh, what are you complaining about? You don't want to go to Miami once again and stay at the nicest hotel. Well, what a hard life type of thing was my ex-husband's uh, view. And just really unhappy and, and, and trying to be a good mother. I started therapy, just psychotherapy, uh, someone once a week to go and vent. And I did that because I find, found it was very helpful to have someone objective um, that doesn't know you and your family. So you're not taxing your friends. And, you know, I learned very quickly not to call my mom and tell her and complain about my husband because then you forget about it or you're in a mood where you're trying to make your marriage work and your mom's like, oh, but he's not so nice. Or, you know, you don't need those type of comments. So yeah. I think, psycho, you know, healing is a journey a journey that takes a lot of time and different modalities. And part of going to therapy is to bring the subconscious to the conscious. And yes, you know, when you talk about so much is bring awareness to why do we do the things we do? And so it, it helped me to identify what I deserved and what I needed and what I was not getting and why I was unhappy. So out of the blue, Sue, without ever planning to, without ever envisioning it, without ever being disloyal, I, I had a company and I traveled a lot for business and out of the blue, I met this man who was my dream come true and my soulmate. And after a four hour conversation, thankfully that's all that happened. I came home and I called my 
marry a child of 17 years. And I, and I was incredibly honest. And I told my ex, you're not going to believe me. I never wanted this to happen. It's never happened before. I met a man and we talked and it showed me that I could be a lot happier out there. And whether he's the one or not, I'm, that's, you know, I don't know. But I know that I'm done and that we're done and that I'm not happy and you're miserable too. And I don't make you happy. And so that was so painful as as I'm sure you know, and so heartbreaking that something that I did want to do was take healing to the next level. And I started doing EMDR therapy twice a week because I was in so much pain. And I felt like the therapy that I had done before was really helpful, like I said, to bring awareness and to, I think it helped me to make that jump. A lot of people, when I go to other podcasts, they're like, oh my God, like, so, so how could you just leave your husband of 17 years for someone else that, you know, could have not pan out to anything? Is that confidence? Is that therapy? But EMDR takes healing to a deeper level mm-hmm. where you don't go and just talk about your day or your week or, or what's upsetting you, but you tackle the beliefs that you have. And the, and the you know, one of the biggest things with my marriage is why did I marry the wrong person? Why did I, why did I, why was I in a marriage that I didn't feel heard or seen for 17 years? And when, when you feel that and you go into therapy with that feeling, they clearly right immediately going to the negative belief that that represents. So that for me, when someone tells me I'm not good enough or I'm not, I don't deserve love or I'm not worthy of being heard, that really spoke to me. And so you, EMDR is eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. And what happens is that you can understand at a cognitive level. So with coaching, you identify, okay, you are worthy and you're great and you're able to do this. And this is mindset. And these are all the things you can do. But if you don't believe it deep inside, that can take you just so far. So you can understand it at the cognitive level, but by bilaterally stimulating your mind, it marries the cognitive and the emotional side of the brain and it allows you to feel and it allows you to bring up memories that we repressed. You know, Freud is very eloquent in saying that we're masters in repression and masters in hiding the things that we don't want to talk about or we know are painful. Or So EMDR just gets it all out there and all of a sudden through being your eyes going back and forth, and also a key question is, where do you feel it in the body? Oh, well, I'm getting a headache. Oh, my stomach hurts or my arm hurts. I had very sharp um, left arm pains when I was mm. processing all this. And uh, you start memory, you start bringing up memories of how lonely it felt to be uh, neglected when I was a child and how I would call my mom to complain about my brother hitting me and she'd be like, oops, I'm not there. You must have done something and not being heard and the anger. And, you know, for us to heal, we need to feel. So EMDR makes you feel and makes you cry and makes you feel that pain. And so it, and it honors it and, and a guided professional who's training EMDR will get you to stay there and feel it. And then reprocessing is, okay, Karen, what would you tell that eight-year-old 
that yeah. has not been heard. You're 45 years old now. You've accomplished a lot. What, what would you tell that girl? And then you really feel it through the therapy. Like, you know what? That really sucked. That was sad. I felt it. I cried it. I'm not there anymore. I'm not yeah. eight anymore. I'm not 12 anymore. I, I am worthy. I've done this. I've done that. I feel, you know what I mean? And you reprocess it. Sure. And at the end of that session, you come out and honestly, Sue, it, it's been it's been studied for 30 years and it has a 77% success fee. You come out of some sessions feeling healed. Like whatever triggered you no longer triggers you. The same event that would have upset you last week. And it, you come out feeling like that you're worthy. Yeah. That I deserve love. And I deserve this man I just met. And and that is such a powerful accomplishment that I'm now on a mission to sure. yeah. bring awareness to it. For so and for so many, you know, the inner child wounds are are taking over. And like you said, without awareness of it, whether it's EMDR, whether it's coaching, whether it's hypnosis, you know whatever is the right modality, because everybody needs to choose the modality that works for them. These life uh, choices lead us to where we need to be. So, you know, you have three beautiful children from this marriage. This marriage actually was part, you know, your last marriage was part of your journey to healing. You wouldn't be here today had you not gone through all of that, perhaps. So, you know, I'm, I'm of the belief that everything happens for us not to us. And you're absolutely right. One of the biggest limiting beliefs that many people walk around with, I think, and that can affect our marriage and how we relate to another person is that we're not valuable, that we're not enough. And I hear this, you know, from clients I work with all over the world, not that they're aware of that belief system, but that when we talk about childhood or we talk about conditioning and we talk about things like that or how they're even raising their children, the limiting belief of enough and, you know, to be seen, heard, and valued, which you and I know are key elements in raising children and in adults as well. We all need to be seen, heard, and valued. So it's such a beautiful process and how you've taken it to your own healing journey of, you know, healing, trying to help and heal others is just an enormous gift, don't you think? Yes. Yes, I and and as you mentioned, um, healing. There's many different healing modalities, and that is my goal with the podcast. I have about eight episodes on EMDR, but I also have two on psychedelics, which is brand new and is um, illegal in the U.S. except Portland now. But a lot of people go to Amsterdam or Ecuador or Mexico, and it's 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 taking people back there so you can feel it to heal it. There's, like you said, hypnosis. There's somatic experiencing. Uh, and there's also a very uh, effective uh, CBT mm-hmm. that can also uh, not just look at the behavior right now, but the feelings and the emotions associated with things that happened in the past and coaching as well. So, yeah. um, you know, I do we think... We don't want to leave that one out. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. And and you need it all, actually. You need it all. A lot of coaching uh, episodes as well, because... One thing is to feel it and heal it. But if you've been carrying this cross or this wound for 20, 30 years, and then you heal it, you still need mindset. You still need strategy. You still need vision. You still need a set of skills right. to, to, to move on and to achieve 
the happy life that you want. So you, you need it all. You need yoga. You need meditation. <laughs> it's all about mixing as many modalities as possible um, to help serve. you get there. Yeah, that serve you. Tell, tell me a little bit or tell us, our, our listeners, a little bit about parenting uh, in respect to, you know, going through a divorce. I mean, you and I have both gone through divorces and, you know, with children involved and many of our listeners as well may either be experiencing it in the throes of it or uh, maybe moved past it. So what was the, um, what was the skill or skills? I'm sure there was a lot of skills that you utilized in working with your children too, as you were healing to help them with their own healing and their own journey and understanding what was happening, you know, between their parents and, and uh, their life basically. Yes. I mean, one of my, I think is one of the main chapters is that I took it as my job to heal myself. And, and that's why I did that much therapy. So I would keep my healing separate and I could show up for them because so many times when you don't do that, you are so merged in the anger or the betrayal or the stress that that not taking the time to heal, you throw it all over the kids. So, right. And then I took it into my job to allow and force the kids to heal too, to, to honor the grieving process, to allow them or help them cry as much as possible because it's especially my... So a bit of a correction. My first two kids are from my previous marriage and my six-year-old is from the new marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the, with the middle child, actually, she was very stoic and she didn't want to cry. And she didn't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. So I made sure that I bought books that would make her feel and understand like um, how dinosaurs get divorced or dinosaurs get divorced. I read it every night for the longest time. It was heartbreaking. And anytime she felt sick, I mean, one of the biggest books that I that helped me through parenting in those times were, um, um, I think, Dr. Daniel Coleman and Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child, mm-hmm. which is validate their feelings, name them. Uh, it is sad. It is sad, mommy and daddy are not living in the same house. It is embarrassing that you're the only kid in the class that whose parents got divorced, which happened to me and I was shocked. Because you would think with 50% divorce rate that 50% of kids in my kids' class, but for both, just for especially the, the youngest one, uh, no one she knew. Really? Yeah. I am surprised. And it's so interesting surprised. that you share that because that was the same thing for my oldest daughter. She said, you know, it is embarrassing. Like, I don't want anybody to know. And then she went to a party and, and they went to a very big school. So I couldn't imagine there wasn't anybody, but... She went to a party where, you know, three out of the five girls came from divorced, you know, households. And suddenly it was like this new, you know, this new world opened up that I'm not the only one. So that's why it surprises me with the rates of divorce that, you know, it must be a small school. It it was. It was. And um, the other very useful thing um, that I talk about in the book is that I was blessed with having a vision and clarity the minute I announced my separation that I wanted to be friends with my ex. I wanted to be an amicable divorce. I wanted us to be there for the kids. So from day one, really, I spoke. I So I picked them up from school every day for the first month in part because they were embarrassed and they didn't want to be left alone in a, in a, in a, in a recess time to talk about or feel sad. So I took a lot of time away from work, which I was very blessed to have my own business and be able to do that. 
um, and, uh, and, and talked and talked and talked about it, talked about why we separated. You know, I think that a lot of parents um, think their kids are young and my kids were eight and six and, and well, mommy and daddy are not. And if you don't explain it to them in their language and in age appropriate, um, they blame themselves. So mm -hmm. I gave them as many reasons as possible. Like, you know how daddy is always in the sun baking and sun tanning and mommy's in the shade. And you know how daddy is out all the time and mommy is in. And you notice how we don't spend time together. Do you notice our last holiday? We spent five out of the seven days apart. Do you notice how mommy and daddy fight all the time and how mommy tells him to go marry someone else? And like that is not what love is. That's not what marriage is. That's not what, and I, very positive. And I mean, I think it's also being blessed that I was not charged with a lot of anger and mm -hmm that monopolized a lot of divorces. So I was like, your dad's a great dad. He's a great person. We just don't want to live in the same house anymore. And, but we love you. We kept uh, walking them to school together every day. We kept having uh, dinners together. Um, so we try to make their transition as easy as possible. Um, and that was really helpful. So, Yeah. And, and you're, you know, you're, um, it's a beautiful journey that you share. Not everyone, you know, has the ability to, to be able to be friends, especially at first. So, you know, I also had something similar in my own divorce where, you know, we could talk and we could connect mostly by text. We weren't working, walking kids to, to school together, but I, I really think that the most important thing to take away, no matter where parents are in the friendship with the ex or the relationship or the anger is to open the door for honest conversation and sharing from the children's perspective. I can still see one of my kids leaving, leaving the house for the weekend or dad picking her up. And this was several years after. And she burst out into tears at the door. I mean, I can actually feel this in my heart as I'm sharing it. And said, you have no idea what it's like. As she stood there with, you know, for two days with bags of stuff, like, you know, she was taking all her belongings with her because she needed to have her, you know, quote unquote stuff. And, and I don't, and I didn't, I didn't come from a divorce family. And so I think that's, you know, meeting your children where they are. No, I don't know. Share with me what you're feeling. Tell me what this is like, because I cannot really be in your shoes or relate to it firsthand, but I can try to understand what it's like for you. We have to step into that arena. Yes. And so now that you mentioned that, that was really helpful to me. And I guess, you know, as painful as it was, I was blessed that my parents had separated for mm -hmm. about a year, maybe five years before my own separation. So I knew what it was like. I was 20 no, not a few years, like 10 years before, but I was 28 when my parents separated, married, I was pregnant. I had been married for six years, I think, and I was devastated and I felt like a child and I wanted to see them together and I didn't want to go break my time. And so I think my own empathy, I was extremely empathetic and I think that's, that was a huge motivator to, to make it work and to be able to spend time. And I mean, when you say communication, the reason my ex and I were able to be friends is that we spent the first month of the initial breakdown talking for hours every night. 
and talking. And as much as I was done talking and I was done holding his hand and done explaining for the 20th time the 10 reasons why I wanted to leave, I took the time. So there was nothing that was left unsaid. There was no, no questions and no anger. Everything was answered. And so that was really helpful. And did he did his therapy too. Mm. And through his own therapy, he was like, and that's why I'm such a, the podcast is healing. I really, really feel that healing was the key to the whole amazing divorce. Because my, I remember the day my ex came after a session and said, Karen, I let you down. I let the kids down. You told me a million times we were not securely attached in our marriage. I did not hear you. I did not. I took you for granted. And it was the most heartbreaking time. And it was funny because that, not funny, it was super sad because that spring of 2013 was when Bruno Mars came with this song, like, I'm seeing my girl dance with another man and I lost her because of my egotistic ways and my lack of, and it was just, that was a song. And it was heartbreaking. Even eight months, 12 months after the divorce, I was with my new boyfriend or partner having dinner at friend's house and they had the speakers going and that song came out. So I started crying. Mm -hmm. I am already with another person Mm -hmm. because it was so sad that, you know, that he didn't go to therapy before when it wasn't too late, that he could have, maybe we would be together if he had gone to therapy. So hard sending men to therapy. Yes. And yet, you know, your journey has continued. Your healing has continued he was able to maybe through you from you who knows to get some help on his own and you know i think that's a really important piece because not everybody and i'm speaking from my own experience too is willing to go to therapy you know i believe in therapy i i believe in all the modalities that you can possibly connect with to help you heal all the time because we we are healing beings every day in our lives and if we don't heal it overtakes us in every possible way. But when you have a partner, and for those uh, listeners who this relates to, when you have a partner or you are divorcing you know, your, your husband or your wife, I think it's important to remember that not everybody believes the same. So my ex-husband still to this day does not believe in therapy. Uh, that's not to say that he couldn't use some, <laughs> but that's not my decision. And, and I said that years ago. Um, I don't need to say that now because, you know, that, that's his choice. But I think that we can only heal ourselves. And sure, we can bring, you know, healing ideas and wellness to our children, but we, we're just leading. We can't make it happen. So the same as when you're in a marriage, you can't control the other person, what they do, where they go, who they see, if they get therapy, if they get help, if they heal. The same thing is true in a divorce is that all you can do is work on yourself and be the best you you can be in the relationship. Because once you have children, that relationship will never be severed for the sake of your children. You'll always be relating in some way, shape, and form, even if it's just about the health and wellness of your kids. So you you have to really stay in your own path and look at what you can do for yourself and your children so that you show up with the most consciousness and awareness that you possibly can on a day-to-day basis. 
it's not an easy journey. I mean, I'm not making this light and easy. And I know you know that too. It's not light. It's not easy. It takes a lot of dedication and a lot of effort and energy. Courage and, and, you know, unfortunately, well, healing is not inexpensive. But you're absolutely right. I brought a guest to the podcast, Dr. Lukin, who's a therapist, healing men, and talk about, and one of my questions is like, what can we do? All these mothers, all these wives that want to send their husbands to therapy to save the marriage. How can, can you tell my listeners, like how, give me tips, like how can we send, and he's like, you can't. You can't, just like you said, you can't. And the sad thing is like, you have to let them hit rock bottom. Yeah. And you got to try not to enable them, especially if you're dealing with some sort of addiction. Um, and God knows there's many different addictions. And, you know, like it's sadly, and I'm sure you coach that to your clients. I have a few clients right now that are, it's like, you cannot control anything they do. You got, you got to control yourself, empower yourself in your own healing, in, in all your action plans in what you can do. Right. Yes. You can't, you can't control your children either. You know, really no. in life, it's control is an illusion. And right. oftentimes we live in that illusion thinking that, well, if I just do this, if I just do that, I might manipulate or coerce. And, you know, that, that really doesn't work. And there's no sense manipulating and coercing. What, what we need to do is focus on our own energy. How can we show up to this? How can we participate, it, participate in this relationship, this new dynamic in divorce in a way that's going to support us? For example, my conscious approach was I'm not going to make phone calls because um, in my relationship, it felt like a lecture I was receiving. And that wasn't comfortable for me. I remember feeling triggered by the lecture, like we're not married anymore. <laughs> and and he's a, he's a great guy. So, you know, I, I'm not here to bash my, my ex-husband in any way, shape or form. Not that he listens to this, but, uh, you know, it's everybody's on their different path. And so I thought, you know, Sue, so you're not doing yourself justice by making a phone call to share something you think is really important that he knows. Use text use email, he'll respond. You can read it at your own leisure and not be triggered by the lengthiness of whatever it is you're hearing. So, you know, I think to our listeners, that's an important piece too to take away because that's part of healing yourself is creating the boundaries around your connection that serve you best. Absolutely. And the more you heal, the better that relationship gets. Even if you're dealing with a toxic, angering, you know, narcissistic is the the, the you know the label of the year um because you understand your wounds you understand your triggers you create boundaries you and you're happier and better to understand that i don't have to you know there's a quote out there that i love when i repost it that is like don't complain about the circus just stop showing up stop going to the circus mm-hmm. so i did the same as you i knew my ex i knew that he would not deal with things appropriately the first time they hear them so text and email yeah and if it was something that i knew that was gonna create a lot of emotion it would be when he was traveling and that plane departed <laughs> text was sent he has text that, to yeah. process it and think about it and then came back to me and i it was always like please take time to think about it Please don't over, you know. Yeah, we have to be mindful. We have to be very mindful. And, you know, you're the only one that could protect yourself in a way that you need protection. I have a client currently that's in a very um, adversary, you know, relationship and divorce. And 
there's like 16 texts a day. And I, you know, and a lot of legal papers. And I, I, I said, it is very important that you create boundaries around this. So all day long, you're not, you know, intruded in your thoughts and your work by these messages that are coming through and that you set times to actually attend to them when you're in the mental space to be able to, because otherwise it's just like arrows going through 16 times a day. And that's not healthy for anyone. So again, we can't control the 16 messages, but we can control how and when we're receiving them and the mental space that we're, we're and in how we react to process them. and how we react exactly or, or not react right? We, we need to take time to not react so that we can That is one them. of the biggest benefits of healing is that when you do so much healing yourself and things don't trigger you and you just answer, okay, after like 16 messages, you're like, yes. I mean, the return on investment is so huge. And I use EMDR, Sue, not just for the divorce, but small things. You know, if I feel like I'm getting triggered you know, because my husband spends too much time playing Barbie with my six-year-old. <laughs> I'd be like, what thing. are you doing? I've been waiting, you know, and I start becoming this person and I'm like, okay, book an EMDR session. How charged am I? Why? And the minute it brings me back to the fact that my dad never played with me and that I'm just feeling jealous and sad for myself and that that is what's underneath that anger, done. You know, and not get and not get and not get triggered by it, and actually feel happy for her. You're like, yeah. wow. Or when someone doesn't say hi to me in the lobby, instead of being like, oh, what did I do? Maybe I said, not feeling that trigger because you've healed. And it's Good. funny because you would think that you're. I mean, after doing as much work as I've been doing, like I said, 10, 15 years, you think healing is still a journey. You know, Every as a coach, day. I was having a hard time coming up with my pricing. And I'm like, why is it taking me six months? <laughs> and I did an EMDR session with one of my guests. And I'm like, you know, oh, my God, I have all these issues with money mm -hmm. from childhood to my ex-divorce to a last company I had. And it's like, wow. And the sense of worth. And it was like, oh, my God. You know, it's just like <laughs> it's. We, we still need so much healing, like you said at the beginning of the podcast. It's just like sometimes feels like never ending, but very worth it. Absolutely. And on that note, I would love for you to tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and find you and get your book. Thank you, Sue. I'm about to launch my website, which it's uh, www.healing.net and it's healing without the G. So heal in. Um, and um, you can find me on Apple and Spotify and Google Play um, Healing, the Healing Podcast, Healing with Karen Millen, and on social media with uh, Healing with Karen. And on the website, you can learn more about how to get the book, uh, about healing resources, uh, because my goal is to inspire you to heal. And whenever you're ready, you can find all the resources to heal in. And if you want to take it, further and faster. Um, you can work with me one-on-one -on -one coaching where I hold your hand and help you identify what needs healing. And then I take the time to find the right therapist for you and the right modality that might fit you best and hold your hand after sessions and make sure you heal so you can achieve the amazing life that you deserve. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing your story, your wisdom, your knowledge, and all the things that you shared today. 
I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Sue. My pleasure. And for our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. And remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.